Hey everybody, I'm Kara and welcome to All the Foods I've Loved. On this podcast, we talk relationships and food and whole health. And together we explore what it looks like to live a fully connected and embodied life. You're going to be given permission to get messy. And just like in the kitchen, you're going to be given permission to invite people into the mess. And then you're going to realize that we make beautiful lives by getting messy. The truth is that when you get connected to your body, you unlock your life. Hey everybody, I'm Kara. Welcome back to another, but a short episode of To All the Foods I've Loved. I wanted to jump on today and just do just a mini episode for you guys. I, um, I'm kind of in this career transition and have been over the past six months starting to take on coaching clients and really look at um, not just food, but how can we use food as this epic tool to heal our bodies. And food happens to be the one thing that we do every single day. All of us have to have food every day. And I know for so many of us, especially women, there can be um, there can be some really complicated relationship things that we have to undo when it comes to our our relationship with food. So I wanted to jump on, give you like a two minute version of my story, and then give you some practical tools about how we can go about day to day winning this um, winning over this relationship with our with our bodies and really living from a place of being in love with the body that we're in and feeling. Vo- feeling fully embodied and connected to, to the skin we're in. So I've shared this a little bit before on my, my podcast, but I spent a lot of my life feeling outside of my body, feeling very disconnected from, from my body. And there's a thousand reasons for why that happens. And some of it's childhood and some of it's just culture and, and things like that. And we can, we can spend more time unpacking that in another episode, but I spent a lot of time feeling very disembodied. And I, I spent, uh, the majority of my teen years and twenties, most of my twenties really struggling with my relationship with food. And when I say that, um, I'm always hesitant to say I had an eating disorder, not because it's not true, but because it was so multi-layered and complicated and convoluted that it's, it's difficult to say that I just had this one eating disorder, but I lived over a decade of my life with incredibly disordered eating patterns. And for me, a lot of that was, um, it was a coping mechanism for, for an, uh, the inability to process my emotions correctly. So a lot of times when I would have a hard time emotionally, I would project that onto food and whether it was starving myself or eating too much and, and going on a binge or whatever it might be, I used food, um, really as this tool to, to, to disconnect from myself. And, and I ended up uh, moving to California and working in food. I became a chef when I moved out here and and was throwing dinner parties for celebrities and clients and all kinds of people. And even in that journey, I felt this sense of um, this sense of almost being a fraud, where I was providing this incredibly connective and life giving experience for people, but then feeling at war with with my own relationship with food and my body, and. Back when I was 21, I started therapy for the first time and, and my counselor, um, he, he started to, to challenge me to change the way that I spoke to my body. So for a long time, I, I did not believe I was beautiful and he would, he would challenge me to use my words 
as a tool to get me to believe that I was beautiful. So he would literally make me go stand in front of the mirror every morning and out loud three times in a row say, you are beautiful, you are beautiful, you are beautiful. And it was embarrassing and weird. And I was living in a dorm room at the time, but I would do it. I would like sneak up to the mirror and be like, you are beautiful. And I, we again, we can dive into this another time, but words carry so much power, right? So not only our verbal words, but the words that we're using towards ourselves when nobody else is listening. So I think that was the first time I started to question <clears throat> the language that I was using around myself. And fast forward into my later 20s, I had gone through a breakup and I I don't know what I was doing. I, I, maybe I was journaling or something like that, but I remember I have this vivid memory of being like, I want to like myself. I want to like my body. I want to like my, uh, my life. I want to feel like I'm in my life. And I think for so long I had had this narrative running through my brain that if I lost five pounds or if I looked a different way, or if I could change this one thing, then I would feel better. And as most of us know, that is never the case. There is never a formula to our happiness. And truthfully, it's really in the present when we find our actual connection to ourselves, right? It's never when we think that we can achieve this one thing that might get us to the thing. So I began to question, what is it about my life that I'm, I'm not feeling connected to? And how can, I, how can I change that? And as I started to dive into that question, I think what happened for me is I realized that in looking for connection to my body, I would immediately jump to a formula, right? I would immediately jump to, if I can lose five pounds, then I will be happy. And so I started to ask a question even about that. I asked the question about the question. So... I began to just dive into this concept of like, if I, if I don't lose the five pounds, can I be happy? If I don't meet my soulmate, can I be happy? If I don't make as much money as I want, can I be happy? And not just happy, but also like in my life, can I be here with complete gratitude and, um, groundedness in what I'm in without wishing to be somewhere else? So, I, uh, yeah, in my later 20s, began some pretty intense healing work around my relationship with my body. And it took me years. I I, I still feel like this is is a, a practice, but I began to look at falling in love with my body. And I'll go on a quick tangent right here and tell you that Caleb and I just got married three weeks ago, which is nuts. It's so, so nuts. And he was the thing. And before I met him, the husband was the thing that I always thought that I wanted, right? To find my person, to get married and to have, have a partner. And, uh, and I, it's true. I, I, I did want that. And now I have that. And I realized like, that is the thing I always wanted. But before meeting Caleb, I, I had to go through a journey of really, um, feeling connected to my life without him because I didn't want to, to put that on a future partner. I didn't want to put this expectation that he would fulfill something empty inside of me. And so in, in a similar way with my body, I, I have, I had to, in my twenties come to this place of being like, I love you as you are, even if you never change. And that sounds cliche and it sounds very simple, but the actual embodied practice of that is so, so difficult. And after, after we got married, I, I had started to think about, and recently I've been thinking about how 
for, for many of us, um, when we think about a long-term committed relationship, we understand that it's going to be cultivation and work and practice, right? Like if you are someone who is married or you're thinking about getting married or you have any desire to be in a long-term committed relationship, you know it's going to require a lot of mental work for you. And in the same way, I feel like in our relationships with our bodies and with our wellness journeys, a huge part of of the practice of loving yourself is is being in relationship with yourself. And being in a healthy relationship requires communication, it requires trust, it requires intuition, it requires gentleness and compassion. And so in my in my later 20s I began to have this long-term vision of what would it look like to fall in love like in a long-term relationship with my body. And I don't have the answers, you guys. I'm just sharing sharing my journey with you. But it, it completely changed the way I treated myself. Because when we do something out of love versus doing something out of duty or wanting to change, it changes the, the motivation and the outcome is different. I The first time I actually um, like really felt this, this peace and gentleness around my body, I wasn't at my ideal size or weight or shape or whatever it might be. Um, but it, but it was this like coming home feeling where I was so grateful for the body that I've been given. And, and that led me into a different journey of trusting myself and and tapping into my intuition and learning what it means to eat mindfully and intuitively instead of out of (laughs) the diets that I've been taught to eat out of and all of that. So that is a very short kind of short version of my story that I wanted to share with you. But as I, as I continue on this podcast and kind of bring on these experts around wellness and healing and the body and relationships and all of that, I wanted to share with you guys a few tips that have been really um, helpful for me in terms of winning this war against my body and coming back into this perspective of like, I can live in love with, with the body I've been given. So I just want to say that wellness, when we talk about wellness, it doesn't just begin with the food we eat, right? So I, I'm a chef here in LA and I, I work with clients on their diets and on their nutrition needs and, and I throw a lot of dinner parties and I, I work in the food world. So sometimes what happens is food takes the forefront, right? But really, I love to shift that paradigm and, and say that food is, food is just the follow, right? Like wellness doesn't just begin with the food that we eat. It actually begins with the attitude and the words and the mindsets that we carry around our body. So food follows that. When we have a good attitude, we have kind words, and we have a healthy mindset around our bodies, food follows. So the first tip that I have when it comes to changing our perspective and 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 creating this loving relationship with our bodies is number one, falling in love with you is a daily practice. Just like any relationship, you must nurture the flame, right? So I already talked a little bit about this, but to fall in love with something and to stay in love requires daily practices. So when it comes to your body, speaking kindly to it often and thanking it for digesting and marveling at the fact that it is a wondrous thing that is always there to protect you and really creating this um, in your words and in your in your thoughts, this trusting, intuitive relationship with your body. So that's number one. Number two is that you are your biggest health advocate 
And what that requires of you is to trust your deep, deep knowing. So here's the thing that I had to learn is I'm the only one who knows what's best for my body. Granted, that does not mean that we throw out wisdom and insight and experts. It means we listen to them and then we ask our bodies, hey, do you agree with that? Like, does that feel good to you? There's so much information out there. You, I, I'm even bombarding you with more probably around any kind of diet, any kind of lifestyle, any kind of food, like don't eat gluten, do keto, whatever it might be. And what you have to learn in your life is that you are your biggest health advocate and your body knows what you need. And to do that, you really have to trust your deep, deep knowing. So sometimes in order to trust that deep knowing, we've got to get other stuff out of the way. We've got to get false narratives out of the way and we've got to clear the stuff that doesn't belong so that we can actually clearly hear what our, what our bodies are telling us. Number three, my tip for falling in love with your body is that learn to identify not only what, but how and why you eat. So what is important, right? Like we want to fill our bodies with proper nutrition and nutrients and things that make us feel good. But we also want to ask questions around how and why we eat what we eat. So for me, like I shared in a little bit of my story is a lot of times I was eating because I was coping with some emotion I didn't want to feel. I was like stuffing down a feeling that I didn't know how to process. And so food wasn't really about nurturing and taking care of me. It was about how can I suffocate the feelings that I don't want to feel. So learn to identify that. And and if you are someone who's stuck in that cycle of um, emotional eating and binge eating and whatever it might be, I feel like a big piece for me that was helpful was learning to remove the judgment around that. We're so quick to judge ourselves and shame ourselves and feel like I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have eaten those 16 Oreos or whatever it might be. But if we can remove the judgment and sit in this place of curiosity and gentleness, almost like with a kid who messes up, you're like, oh, I'm so sorry you did that. Why did we do that? Let's talk about it, you know? And having this like gentle conversation with yourself And for me, yeah, again, just my experience, but that was incredibly helpful to be able to have this conversation almost with little girl, Kara. Like, what are you so scared of? Like, what are you so scared of that you feel like 16 Oreos is going to solve the problem? So that's my third tip. And my last tip, um, number four, that I'm going to share with you in terms of creating uh, a life that you love and falling in love with the, the body that you're in is Learn how to create positive experiences around all of your meals. For me, this was the key to gratitude around the food that I was eating. A lot of times those, you know, those binges or, or even the, the starving yourself or whatever it might be when it comes to disordered eating is done in secret. And it's, it's done in an, envir- an environment that's not very positive. So for me, when I started to practice, again, practice, uh, like daily, choose this and I failed a lot, but when I started to practice creating a positive environment around my meals and a positive experience around my food, my food, it really shifted things for me. So for me, what that looked like is I'm such an extrovert that I, I chose to eat with people, or even if I was alone, I chose to FaceTime somebody and, and share a conversation while I was having food. And that elevated this experience of a food for me. And if I was alone or even with people, I, you know, I, 
enjoy eating in beauty as I think most of us do. So finding beautiful dishes and plating your food really well and, and actually visualizing it and seeing it as this piece of art that gets to nourish you and choosing to have this positive experience around your meals, it slows you down. It reminds you to eat out of hunger and not another emotion. And it also, for me, it created this, um, this sense of gratitude every time I sat down and I looked at something, right? Like when we sit down and we actually look at it, when I sit down and I look at Caleb across the table from me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for you. I forget that like most of my life I longed for you and here you are. So I feel like that slowing down, looking at something and creating that experience around it pauses you enough to actually sit in the gratitude. So you guys, those are my four tips around, uh, creating a life that you love and living inside of a body that you love. Um, I'm so uh, thankful for you guys for listening and I would love to hear from you. So make sure if you don't follow me on Instagram, please do so we can connect. My Instagram is bycaraelise.com and DM me. Tell me tell me some of your your own journey with food and and coming back home to your body and what that's looked like. I would I I would love to hear from you. Anyways, love you guys. Thanks for listening. I will catch you next time. <laughs>